All right, everybody, welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. Arian Austin here for our first time on Zoom for this week's episode. Carrie, uh, it looks like we're venturing out different platforms every single time we, we record another episode, huh? I know, right? It's our first time on Zoom, and it's half the country's first time on Zoom this past couple of weeks, right? I mean, so all of us get to be messing around with figuring out how to make our uh, our backgrounds more interesting. Like uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk in a minute to uh, to Kim, who is out there doing the Lord's work in terms of uh, helping shelter animals and shelters all around the country. So I had these little guys, these are my two dogs who are at home. Sometimes one of them attends the meeting, sometimes the other one attends the meeting. The little one is Floof, who I wanted to have on the podcast a couple of times, but he always threatens to bite me. Um, and then Austin, I think you were, uh, you were sort of trying to mimic the, genu- the general population in terms of uh, what you have uh, sort of stored up at home, right? Yeah, I'm kind of sitting on just like a gold throne right now um, in terms of in terms of supplies. Right. Um, yeah. So everybody everybody's been getting mad, pretty angry and mad at me about it. But um, don't be I'm like Austin, people. So don't problem. be like Austin. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be the problem. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. So well. Okay. Today, I'm I, so sorry, you guys. We got. <laughs> <laughs> Here is a reality of working from home that all of us are dealing right now. Some with exactly. kids. Some with exactly. hairy kids. And okay, there go the hairy kids. There I'm goes getting kids. rid of this. Hi, hairy kid oh, one. Oh, right. hi. Bye, little dude. Oh, my God, we got oh there's a collection of them. <laughs> and that love... This makes this so much better. This is a perfect lead-in to who we're chatting with today. <laughs> um, exactly. So, so Kim Album is our Shelter Outreach and Policy Engagement Director at the Humane Society of the United States. Perfect timing. We're so glad that we had the opportunity to sit down with you and chat a little bit about the situation going on. So, Kim, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. So, you know, while we're, of course, always trying to definitely have fun um, in in this podcast, uh, it's we understand the gravity of the situation that's happening right now. We're, we're trying to think of the people out there who are anxious, who are homebound. We're sick, yeah, we're bored. Hope everybody who's listening to this is okay. I mean, it's a really scary time in a lot of ways, and it's it's hard to know day to day exactly how scared to be and what to do. I think a lot of us feel kind of helpless. Um, but one of the great things about talking to Kim is that Kim is one of the people out there doing stuff that, that shows you that we're not helpless. And she's working with a whole bunch of other amazing people who are just making the situation better in lots of different ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I mean, Kim, you and your team work to create, you know, nationwide partnerships, and you you place thousands of, of animals who are victims of, of animal cruelty and natural disasters through these relationships. So, how is the COVID nineteen crisis affecting this work? Uh, what are you seeing? What's the landscape like? This is like nothing that we've ever seen before. You know, we we deal with disaster on a regular basis, but when we deal with a hurricane or a tornado. It's concentrated, it's in one place. This is a nationwide disaster that's impacting animals and the people that love them and the people that care for them. Yeah, it's global really. I mean, like just, I mean, I'm, you know, having having lived in other countries, I'm seeing, you know, posts from friends in Australia and, you know, Europe who are also just homebound and dealing with their own kids and pets and trying to work. It's, It's crazy, like just the scale of this is hard to even comprehend. 
Yeah, the Humane Society International, I mean, I just can't even imagine what they're going through now. My responsibility is the United States, and um, I, I'm definitely not sleeping. <laughs> no, sorry, Kim. I hope you're able to get some sleep at some point, because, you know, sleep is good for your health also. Yeah, let's not get exhausted over there. So, well, so what are we focusing on right now? I mean, talking about kind of the fostering, regarding fostering, and, and what's happening there. Um, one thing before we get into the fostering thing, one thing that I wanted to ask about maybe is is one of the things that a lot of uh, communities, I think most communities now are dealing with is the kind of um, shutdown of businesses and, and which businesses have been declared essential and non-essential. And from what I understand, it sounds like, thank God, animal shelters have by, by and large been declared essential. Um, maybe you can talk about that and what the impact is, is for, of, of that declaration on the work. Sure, so that's one of the major experiences that we're having right now. So we are very fortunate at the Humane Society of the United States to have a state affairs team. So we have state directors in almost every state, which puts us in the very unique position of being able to navigate all of these official orders that are coming down. So we're keeping a very close eye on them and making sure that pets are included in there as essential. So veterinary clinics, animal shelters, um, any place where there's direct care of animals really needs to be declared essential. And then of course, medical supplies and pet food. Of course, yeah. So on the fostering thing, sorry, Austin, I didn't mean to- No, 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 off. that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like one of the challenges I think, and that Kim can explain a lot better, is that in a situation like this, especially with what's going on with not only people's health, but also with the economy, there are sudden major challenges to people who've been keeping pets in their homes. And some of those challenges end, end up falling to your local animal shelter to deal with. I, I have to say that I have, um, in all of my time in animal welfare, I have never experienced anything like this. Mm -hmm. And I think I, that can, this, the same can be said for the shelters and rescues across the country. But, but here's what's emerging. There was a nationwide call out for fosters because what we wanted to do was get pets out of the animal shelters to make room in case people were starting to become ill and needed either a temporary place for their pets to stay or people you know, were losing their homes and needed, and, and needed to surrender their pets. Like this was a major concern. So first we wanted to get the shelters empty to make room and the call out to um, the community was incredible. It, I've never seen anything like it. There are thousands and thousands of pets that are in the foster care system now that we just, we've never had this many animals in the foster mm -hmm. care system. There, there are literally shelters across this country that have a waiting list for dogs and cats to come in so that people can foster them. That's the foster, the, the, the community just stepped up in adoption as well. Um, mm -hmm. Richmond Animal Care and Control was reporting that they were having trouble keeping up with their foster failures. People were coming in to foster, they were taking pets home and then they were deciding to adopt. So even though we're in this really terrifying time right now, it's actually a good time to foster or adopt because many people are working from home, kids are home from school, and let's not forget that that having a pet around and, and loving our pets is, is it sort of takes away some of the anxiety that we're feeling Ooh, yeah. positive to focus on. And not only are you helping a pet by fostering or adopting right now, but you're helping a family 
that could be stricken with COVID-19. You're helping somebody who may need a temporary or permanent place for their pet to go. And so, so that's why we put out the call for foster to adopt and it worked and it taught us so much as an industry. So what is it, so when you, when you're saying about like what it's taught you as an industry, like what are some of the things that you feel like you're seeing right now? I think that, I think that we're all shocked at the capacity of the community, mm. you know, and, and maybe this is going to change sheltering moving forward. Maybe there's going to be more focus on, on foster homes through the, the community animal shelter. Maybe, maybe we're going to look at, you know, less capacity in the animal shelter, more community services and more pets in foster homes. Mm. I, I can't say what it's going to look like when we get through this, but I can tell you that what I'm hearing across the industry is that there will be change. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just really amazing. I mean, I think I've been, I've been seeing so much with everybody sort of trapped at home. It really, it really says to you that, you know, this is one of those situations where you can do good and also just get something wonderful out of it as well. I mean, there's so many people I think who've been posting about what a comfort they're finding in having their pets home with them. I mean, especially because we can't go out, we can't go out, we can't interact the way it's so natural for humans to do. Even if we see friends from far across the field, you have to wave and, you know, pr pretend you like, you don't have bodies, you can't give anybody a hug. It's so weird. And so having your animals close by um, and sort of sequestered with you is just such a comfort. And it's so great that um, people have been able to step up and kind of make a win-win out of this. So that they're helping other people and helping the local community as well. Um, have you been seeing the, um, I don't, you know, everybody is looking for things to do. So, you know, we're all on social media and we're all looking at Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, I, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but shelters are posting empty shelters. Staff is walking through and they're filming all of these empty runs and all of these empty cat rooms. Um, wow. And then at the same time, this is, and this is the other part that just is so incredible right now. What we're hearing from a lot of shelters is, is now they're turning their attention to the community. So those pets that were homeless and in the shelter are moved out. And now the focus is on keeping pets in homes that are already in homes. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing shelters that are working to make sure that people have food and medical supplies. There's a little bit of concern over veterinary services. There's an awful lot of animals out there in the foster care system now. Yeah. And a lot of very smart people um, from the University of Wisconsin, University of Florida, HSUS, ASPCA, are all working together to figure out different ways to deliver veterinary care during this time when we were, were supposed to be staying at home. And um, again, yet another change. We're seeing the shelters out in the community trying to keep those pets in homes and finding solutions for them. So, Kim, have you been seeing other parallels um, from what's happening culturally, you know, uh, resources medically for humans versus you were talking a little bit about veterinary resources too. Is there a parallel with any like food resources going out of stock or anything in regards to pet food or anything like that? Have you been hearing anything in that respect? <laughs> well, truthfully, much like the toilet paper, uh, a lot of people are running out and purchasing pet food extreme amounts of pet food so that others can't find pet food. I heard that you might be keeping a little bit too much at your place. You know what, I'm, I'm really a cautionary tale. Uh, 
as <laughs> as food and toilet paper goes. Nobody should be following along with what what I'm doing, and Do I feel bad about it. Not as he does. I feel bad about it, but but that's not, not the point. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> so so you know, essentially, what's happening is that it's appearing like there's a food shortage because people are going out and they're purchasing large amounts of food that they don't necessarily need. And so then other people are going to buy their cat food and can't find the brand of cat food that they use. We have had conversations with large manufacturers of pet food um, and they're saying that right now the supply is fine. It's just that people are buying it like crazy. So I think that we just need to remember that an essential service is the, the production of dog and cat food and also grocery stores and pet stores that sell dog and cat food are remaining essential services. So it's going to be okay. We can get this food, but let's not take so much yeah, that totally. others are going without because we feel like we have to have a closet full of pet food. I love my pets just as much as everybody else, but I, I want other people's pets to eat too. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, one thing that might, uh, that makes me think about, you know, when, when you're thinking about a hoarding of, of supplies and stuff, I mean, I think with all, all the sort of escalated concerns around the virus, I mean, one of the things that maybe you are talking with some of the veterinary connections about is that people maybe, you know, even who, even those who want to foster or adopt, they may have concerns right now about whether it's safe. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that, like what's known right now. I mean, obviously, one of the challenges right now is that this is a thing that is moving every single day, right? Every single day we find out something new. We found out, you know, some, some information from before was maybe not exactly right. Um, and so, but what's the best information right now in terms of is it safe to, is it safe to foster an animal? How should you be interacting with your own pets when they're at home in terms of cleanliness and things like that? Our shelters are working very closely with veterinarians, the CDC, the AVMA, you know, it, again, just incredible minds are problem solving on this. And it is perfectly safe to get a foster pet or adopt a pet. You simply bathe them. Mm -hmm. This virus likes to live on a smooth surface, likes to live on your doorknobs, on your refrigerator, on your faucet. Um, fur is just not a good place for this virus to live. So what we want- A little hairy guy like that guy, like, like a really floofy dog. Yeah, totally not like virus resistant. We have no evidence right now that this virus is spread by pets. That's good. So, so I think, I think that people need to simply bathe their pets. If you're out in the park and your your pet accidentally slips off the lead and somebody else grabs your pet for you, or somebody pet, pets your pet, or that you don't know, or if you think your pet may have been subjected to this virus, give them a bath. Yeah, totally. Pets are not great about acknowledging that six foot barrier we're all supposed to be maintaining right now. Most of my dogs would prefer to be like literally up your nose rather than uh, maintaining a six foot barrier. Yeah, just keep them clean. Mm -hmm. And then if you decide that you would like to foster or adopt a pet that is from a home that may have been infected by COVID-19, um, unfortunately, we have seen some pets surrendered into the shelter um, in Washington this week whose owners have passed away. Wow. Um, so the shelters know what to do. They're working closely with veterinarians, with the CDC, 
they know that they need to bathe that pet and they know the amount of time that they need to keep that pet to ensure the community is safe before that pet goes out. Good. So fostering is obviously an extremely important way to help shelter uh, shelters who have pets in there. Uh, it seems like there's a lot more applications being sent in. Are there other ways that pet owners or animal lovers can help in this situation? Um, are, are there like shelters that have wish lists or, I mean, if people are tight for money and don't necessarily want to only do financial aspects, are there other ways that we can help? Absolutely. There's, there's so many ways that you can help your shelters and your communities during this, this pandemic. And, and, you know, it, at HSUS, we have the Pets for Life program where we do community outreach. And um, I can't even tell you how many times I've talked to our director of that program over the last couple of weeks because our Pets for Life program applies across the board now, yeah. right? So we want to be taking care of neighbors. We want to be staying in touch with people in, 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 by text by phone, knowing if the vulnerable people in our community are safe or not. If they, you know, if they need our assistance, we need to know that. Um, and shelters are part of that. Shelters are reaching out and making sure that those, that, that our vulnerable population has food for their pets. And, and if you live in a rural area and, and your shelter does not have the capability of doing that, that's okay. You can still help by by checking in with Health and Human Services and seeing if you could volunteer your time to set food on doorsteps and walk away. We can social distance and still take care of our community. Absolutely. And it is just, the outpouring of community support is just really been staggering. And, and again, another change that I hope really sticks with us is that we always approach outreach in our community with kindness, compassion, and flexibility. And, and that's what this is all about. This is about, this is about making sure that we're all okay, all of our families, and our families include pets. Absolutely. If you have, if you have the ability to, you know, if you have more in your house than you need, if you did buy that closet full of dog food. Austin, looking at you, we see it. Yeah. Austin. I'm coming Check over, I'm breaking in. in. Check in with your local shelter and see if they have people in the community that are vulnerable that could use that food. Yeah. I'll make calls today. <laughs> Thank you. It looks like you could feed the whole community. I could. Bethesda's going to eat great for the next couple of weeks. Or great. you could potentially feed just this one greedy beagle on my screen. <laughs> one of those stacks in 24 he's been, hours. He's been making eyes at me all episode, yeah. Carrie. Look so. at those. Give me Austin. Austin, I'm the neediest dog in the community. That's what beagles do. I see it. I see it. All um, right. Is there anything else that we should um, talk through, Kim? Anything else that you think people really need to know right now? Um, this is a really scary time, and I think information is everything. So people need to um, stay connected to their local community resources stay connected with the Humane Society of the United States. We have produced um, a toolkit to help shelters through this time um, that is getting updated every day. Um, we have put information out for the individual on how to help navigate COVID-19. Um, and I think the message, the most important message here is that, you know, we will get through this together. Yep. We just need to stay connected. Absolutely. Yep. And that toolkit's on humanesociety.org, Kim? 
It's on animalsheltering.org. Got it. For shelters, shelters and rescues. And, but there's information. I mean, it's the amount of information that's out there now is just really incredible. I think people just need to make sure that they stay with, with credible resources like the CDC, their state level emergency management and in those types of things. Absolutely. So if you're working for a shelter, our best information is on animalsheltering.org. And if you're just sort of out in the community with your pets, we also have some information for individuals and citizens on our main part, our main website, hsus.org. Floof says hi. Hello, everybody. Stay safe. Oh, Floof. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was like, I, uh... No social distancing happening with Floof. It's just not going to happen. Hard <laughs> to social distance with your pet. I mean, yes, it is. And thank God for that. Thank God we don't have to do that yet. I know. I know. I wish they had understood social distancing a little better. Yep. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, that's uh, Kim. Thank you so much uh, for sitting down with us today. Again, Kim Album, Shelter Outreach and Policy Engagement Director at the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, please stay safe um, and we're, we'll be continue to be updated. Yeah, we may on, bring you back. What's that? We may bring you back soon, Kim. Don't yeah. escape from this forever. We might. My, my pleasure. Um, it, it's, it's fun spending time with you. Yeah, so you can also message podcast at humanesociety.org and send us your reactions, questions you have, and topics that you want to hear for our next episode. Um, and uh, that's all we have for today's show. Again, be sure to follow HSUS and HSI on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the website humanesociety.org for the latest. Uh, that's all we have today. Thanks again. Stay safe, everybody.